as he brings the word. Well, that's the best compliment you can give me right there. That's great. I, I've been like the hype guy a lot because I come up and I, I do the announcements and I welcome up Ron. And so my son, who's seven, Judah, he watches me sometimes. And now whenever he sees Ron, he goes, welcome up, Ron Johnson. So he, he, I don't know. I'm going to have him come welcome me up next time. He's really good at it. Hey, today, as Ron said, we're starting a new sermon series called Depth, And as we look through this series, we're going to talk through what does it mean to be spiritually deep. And at Restoration, we do a lot of different messages. We do some character development, some Christian living. We just came off of Love Hacks, which was a relational series. But now we're jumping into studying a book of the Bible. So this is going to be a little bit different. We're going to walk through just kind of the whole book of Colossians, but not today. Don't worry. Everybody's like, whole book today. No, not today. Just a few verses. And we're going to walk through it. And I want to encourage you as we walk through this, you might want to pull out a Bible. If you have our app, there's a Bible on our app. Open up to Colossians. It's a great way to follow along. And as we answer the question, what does it mean to go spiritually deep? We're going to look at the Colossian church, the church at Colossae, and see how are they spiritually deep and what can we learn from them? So in college, I spent a summer in Breckenridge, Colorado. That's actually what made me fall in, fall in love with Colorado. Uh, and then I, I eventually, years later, my wife and I moved here. But I was a, for, in my junior year of college, I got a job as a lumberjack. Yes, I was a lumberjack. I was up in Breckenridge at Redtail Ranch. I wore flannels. I had a mustache. And I met my wife. Dangerous combination, men, when you wear flannels and have a mustache. So I, I met Molly then, and, and that summer, I, I was just, all this beetle kill had happened. If, if you're new to Colorado, in like the late 90s, this pine beetle came through and started killing tons of trees. And you can still see it today as you drive up to Summit County. You see all the gray and all the dead trees. These pine beetles got in and there was this infestation that happened and 3.4 million acres of forests of lodgepole pines were completely destroyed. And so in 2005, I was hired to cut down beetle kill at Redtail Ranch right above Breckenridge. Peak four is where I worked. And so the first day I walk in and they just give me a chainsaw. I'm like 20 years old and I've worked a chainsaw before and they're like, see all those? There's like thousands of trees, cut them down and then we're gonna chop them up in a chipper. So I get out there and there's like eight of my friends were there for the summer together. And the guy kind of showed us how to use it. And I don't know why he trusted us so much, but I like go after this probably 50 year old pine tree and I'd lay it down and I do the little V and cut it. But I didn't know what I was doing. I cut too long this way and not deep enough. And all of a sudden, as I cut down, my chainsaw turned and I just jumped back. And all of a sudden, this tree, I tried to lay it that way. It just went that way. And I, I yelled timber because that's what lumberjack said. Timber! And literally three feet from this huge, really $10,000 UTV and all my friends in it. And I was like, whoa. Not, after that, I was very cautious on cutting down trees. As I cut down that tree, though, one of the things you learn about cutting that big a tree down is trees are incredibly powerful. Like, when you think of that big of tree, a 50, 100-year-old tree that's standing in the forest, how do they last through summers, through droughts, through massive blizzards? They all have one thing in common. They have deep, deep roots. Strong trees have deep roots. Today, I want to talk to you about how you can be strong spiritually by having deep roots. 
So we're going to jump into Colossians. And as we think about spiritual depth, though, if I were to ask you, what does it mean to be spiritually deep? I asked 10 people in this room, what's spiritual depth? I would probably get 10 different answers. Somebody would say, it's theologically deep. It's knowing all the right answers. It's somebody maybe say, it's knowing the Bible really well, maybe memorizing the Bible, having a good grasp on the Bible. Others might say depth is praying a lot. Someone's praying three, four hours a day, or maybe it's serving the poor or using your finances, or sharing the gospel, or helping people get baptized. So what is spiritual depth? Or maybe it's just the preaching style of a church. As someone, as someone that gives messages all the time, you know what people think depth is? If you have a British or Australian accent. It's so unfair, because they can get up there and they can go, church, I want to tell you about the gospel and you're like, wow, you're deep. They said church and gospel, come on. Uh, but so we can all have different feels of depth. So what is depth? And over this series, I want you to see that depth is not just one thing. It's not one root, but it's multiple roots going down to build a strong tree. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you a little roadmap and then we're gonna jump right in. So I wanna show you three roots that you can grow in today to go deep. So three different roots that you can go deep in, and then we're gonna jump over to four motivations of why you should want to go deep. So motivations, and then lastly, I'm gonna give you an evaluation tool. How do you know if you're spiritually deep or not? So, you guys ready to roll? Colossians, here we go. Uh, We're gonna walk through this verse by verse, like I said. And so Colossians was written by Paul. He is an apostle and he is, and his disciple Timothy was the scribe. So Paul wrote this letter to the city of Colossae where there was a church and and he wrote it between the 60 and 62 AD and he actually wrote it in prison. Here's an interesting thing about this book. Paul never actually physically visited Colossae. He never was at the church ever. How did he know about the church? There was this guy, Epaphras, that he was uh, listening to Paul's teaching in Ephesus, and he overheard all the things of the good news of Jesus. And he goes, man, this is amazing. Like, if this is true, it changes everything. And so Epaphras, he goes, and he goes back to his town of Colossae, and he goes, guys, you got to hear this. And he starts sharing the things of Jesus. And all of a sudden, people start getting baptized. They start practicing the ways of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, they start making disciples for Jesus. Really, Epaphras was leading a simple church that all of a sudden just expanded and reached his hometown, his friends, his family. And then Epaphras is like, I'm going to go visit Paul in prison. So he goes back, visits Paul in prison, and tells him a little bit about what's going on in the church and in these simple churches in Colossae. And Paul writes this letter to them from prison from that perspective. All right, let's jump in. Colossians 1. So the first root that I want to share with you today is the root, if you want to go deep, you need to go deep in grace. So if you want to be rooted, if you want to go deep spiritually, you have to be deep in grace. Let's walk through this. It says this in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Paul, he always starts this off kind of giving his profile. He goes, hey, I'm an apostle. It was by God's will, not my will. And Timothy's here. He's like a brother to me. And then look how he addresses the church to the saints of Colossae, the faithful brothers in Christ. What I love about following Jesus is that we're all sinners. I don't got it right. You don't got it right. You follow me around, you'll be like, Jason, you definitely don't have it right. 
But what does Paul call people that are covered by the grace that is in Christ Jesus? Does he call you a bunch of sinners? No, he calls you saints. See, there is a new identity. There is something new about us that Paul goes, when you're covered, when you're deep in grace, you're not perfect, but you are a saint in the eyes of God. You're in right standing with God. And then he goes on to say, grace to you and peace. There's our key word, the depth of grace. Let's jump on over to verse three. It says, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. Paul's going, we're, we're praying and we're thanking God because of this thing. Because the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we heard of your faith, how do you accept grace in your life? In Ephesians 2, it doesn't say that we earn it, but we accept grace into our life through faith. Not of ourselves, but it's faith. Faith. So when we have faith, we can accept God's grace. And then it goes on, there's an outplaying of this. That when we accept grace, when grace is deep in our life, there's an outpouring of love for other people, and especially that of God's people. Hey, when you look on Facebook, do we all get along? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We might not have the same views, and we might get in have different opinions, but that should not affect how we love one another. We are to love, as people that are under grace, we are supposed to love one another. We are not supposed to talk slander. We are not supposed to be evil. We are not supposed to oppose one another. We should be rooting each other on, especially if you're in the household of God that follows Jesus. We should love. So what he's saying is, what grace does is it brings love for one another. Verse five. It says, it's faith and love that spring from the hope. It's stored up for you in heaven and about what you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So the love that you have for people and the faith you have, this grace that's rooted in you, you know where that hope comes from? Is the hope is in heaven, that you have eternity, and this is not our home. Uh, I, I asked my kids the other day, I go, what do you think heaven's going to be like? I I knew I was giving this message. So it was a little bit of a softball. I was trying to get some material. Uh, but I asked him what heaven's going to be like. And my four-year-old, Eden, she goes, mm, mommy's going to be there. And I go, what else? And I go, Rosie's going to be there. That's our dog. One and two. Sissy's going to be there. I'm like, what else? We're going to go to the kids' museum. And then she forgets what we're talking about and walks off. And I'm like, wait a second. What about your dad? <laughs> I was last in line of going to be in heaven of her imaginations of heaven, but she said I would be there. So that was good. And then Judah, I asked him, what's heaven going to be like? And he goes, we're going to worship God. My seven-year-old, I was like, oh, that's so good. When he's in here for worship, he, his hands are up. He loves worshiping God. But I go, what do you think we're going to do? And he goes, yeah, we're going to play Nintendo Switch. It's going to be great. And I'm like, yeah, that would be great. Oh, and we're going to have a real-life Mario course. Now, that is cool. Come on. Like, that's cool. Like, heaven to Judah is going to be real. And you know, I joke about it, but heaven is going to be greater than any of us can ever imagine. So many people think Sistine Chapel, little angel with a diaper on, shooting people. Uh-uh. That's not what heaven is. Heaven is going to be greater than any experience, any place. When you, when you go to breathtaking places, you know what you're getting just a glimpse of? Heaven. And when this hope is in you, you live differently because the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
See, this true message of the gospel had come. And to, next week, we're going to talk about the gospel message and how Jesus came. We're, we're in the best passage next week that is maybe the most beautifully best written on who Jesus is. So I'd encourage you to come back next week. It's going to be great as we unpack Jesus. And as we think through this grace, it goes on to say, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit. The good news of Jesus is bearing fruit and it's growing throughout the world. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and what? You truly understood God's grace. How you have true depth in your life is a true understanding of God's grace. It's interesting when you hear this, the word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it means that it, it goes, it's bearing fruit and it's growing. See, there's a truth when the gospel, the true message of grace gets in someone and it, the roots go deep and it starts growing up the tree, a society is changed, a people is changed, a neighborhood is changed and it bears fruit. And it goes, this has been happening all around the world. Did you know where the fastest growing church in the world is today? Fastest growing, Iran. Everybody thinks when we think of Christianity, we think of America. No, 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 no. The gospel's been bearing and growing fruit and it's going around the world and it's, no one's gonna stop it. And it's in Iran right now, one of the most persecuted countries. They have no resources, no money, no building. And you know who predominantly leads this church is women that are persecuted and they are going into homes and they're sharing the gospel and it's growing and growing and growing. See, when the gospel of grace gets to people, it changes the people. And lastly, and I love this when we hear of actually truly understanding grace. I think a lot of Americans can misunderstand grace. We have a cheap version of grace. See, grace costs everything. It costs Jesus' life. And we accept grace. We don't earn it. But there is something that grace does to us. I love this Dallas Willard quote. It says this, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. There's still effort that it takes to receive grace, to show grace, to live out grace. Earnings an attitude, effort is an action. Do you understand God's grace? The more you understand it, the deeper your roots will go. And as we close this first root that we're talking about, it says this, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who has also told us of your love in the Spirit. When you really understand grace, you know that you can't live out of it in your own power, that there's a Spirit that has to live in you, and it's the Spirit of God. There is Holy Spirit, and from that, love can come. So, my question for you today, are you spiritually deep in grace? Are your roots deep in grace? Have you accepted the gift that is in Christ Jesus? For all of us, we have to make a decision on our own to accept Jesus as Savior of our life, Lord over our life. Are you deep in that grace? Do you understand it every day? Do you live out of it? Do you remember it in your life? The three things, if you want to grow in this root in your life, is you need to accept the grace just need to accept the gift that God's offering you. Second, you need to remember the grace. The best thing for me to do to grow in this root, this depth, is just to remember what Jesus did on the cross. When I remember that, it breaks me, it molds me, and it changes me, it makes my roots go deep. And then lastly, you gotta live in grace. Live it out and love it, love others. Be a graceful person. All right, first root was grace. You guys still with me? 
All right, perfect. Let's jump. So that's our first route. Our second route is if you want to go deep, you need to go deep in knowledge. Deep in our knowledge. We'll pick up. It says in verse 9, it says, And so from the day we've heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Really quick, just a little Bible reading. If you're reading the Bible like this, kind of verse by verse, if you ever see a and so, or because, or so that, or therefore, circle it, because that's saying there was something before, and now there's something coming up. So it's kind of like a cause and result. And so what Paul is saying is everything I just told you, so from the day we've heard of all those things, we have not ceased to pray for you. Again, they have a heart to pray for these people. And then it goes on to say, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So our second route to go deep in is knowledge. So it, we'll kind of walk through this. This is asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. So what does it mean to be filled? Filled, if you look through the Greek, it basically means to overflow. It's like a cup. You, you don't just put it half full or three quarters full. It's overflowing. It's complete. It's filled up to completion. And so what Paul is saying that he wants for them is that they might be filled to completion with the knowledge of his will. So what's that word knowledge mean? It's not actually intellectual knowledge alone. If you were to go study out this word, what Paul meant here was a personal knowledge, not just an intellectual knowledge. There's a difference between knowing about something and knowing someone. Like, I know a lot about Peyton Manning. I know a lot about him. I mean, I kind of, I love Peyton. Like whenever a, a, a commercial with Peyton comes on, I'm like, kids, be quiet. Peyton's on. You know, like I just have a, this hard for him. Like when they, we won the Super Bowl, I went to the parade and I like, was like 30 yards from Peyton. And I mean, I love Peyton. I know a lot about him. I know a lot of stats about Peyton, but I don't know Peyton Manning. I don't know what he cares about. I don't, never had a conversation with him. I don't know what he hurts. I don't know what, what he thinks about. See, there is such a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. What Paul is trying to tell you right now is that God wants to personally know you and you to know him. It's not just an intellectual knowing about. It's a knowing him deeply and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. See, this is, this is the good news of Jesus God was distant from us. It says that there was a veil that was torn between us and God as soon as Jesus died and that he would be the mediator between us and God, that we might have a personal relationship. No longer do we have to have sacrifices of animals and a priest, but Jesus is our mediator. And why was it? So that you might know him, not know of him, but you might know him. You might know him. And it's through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is basically the acquisition of knowledge and then the application of that knowledge. So here's how I like to think of it. When it comes to knowledge, I think there's two ways we can experience knowing God. We can intellectually know him and we can experientially know him. So there's kind of these two ways we can experientially know them and we can intellectually know them. So a few years ago, I, I started doing a workout called the five by five. 
Uh, if you're like CrossFit, you might know this because it's all like Olympic style lifting. It's bench press, it's squat, it's deadlift. And I knew, I had no clue how to do deadlift. But if you ever talk to someone that's like, works out, they're always like, deadlift's the greatest exercise ever, bro. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll learn how to deadlift. And deadlift is very, very technical because you can mess yourself up. So what did I do? I intellectually figured it out. I watched YouTube videos over and over and over again. But if I just stopped at watching those and getting the intellectual knowledge on how to do deadlift, but never went and actually did it, I would not be complete in my knowledge. It's intellectual and it's experiential. Now, if I went to the gym and I was like, you know what, I'll just figure it out throw four 45s on each side and I like get up there and I'm like, how do I do this thing? You know, like, cause you're supposed to have like feet level with your shoulders. You're supposed to keep your chest out. Marie Peretz judging me right now, making sure I'm doing it right. And grab the bar and keep your back straight and go up. But if I didn't know how intellectually how to do that and I just went out and experienced it, you've seen these people in the gym, haven't you? They have no clue what they're doing and they look like fools. See, we need both. When it comes to the knowledge of God, you need to experience him, but you also need to intellectually know him. And what I've learned in my own life is I think most of us live in one extreme or the other. We intellectually get to know God. We, we read the Bible, we, we, we read great works, great thinkers, and we think, 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 and we grow our intellectual muscle and then for some of us, we just, we love the experiences. God is a feeling. It's like when I could just climb on top of that mountain or when I, I can experience him in worship. But when you find the magic of knowledge is when you come together in both. So how can you grow deep in your roots of knowledge? Are you deep? Are you deep in knowledge? Do you know God? Do you just not know about him? You know him both intellectually and experientially. If you want to grow in this root in your life, I would encourage you to fill yourself up with both those things. Find experiences and find intellectual simulating things to, to push your knowledge of God. That's why I think so many of us, as COVID has kind of come out and we're here, you come to worship and you're like, oh, feels so good to be here again. It's because we're meant to experience the presence of God with his people so continue to experience it. Uh, for me, one of the best practices I've had is just having a daily time where I read God's word and I intellectually push myself and I get to know more and more about him. Another thing is just creating space. My day gets so busy. So if I do not create space to relationally know God, if, if you're in a relationship, if, especially if you have kids like me, if you don't have some time to connect with your spouse, it never happens, does it? Same thing happens with our relationship with God. If there is no space, he cannot fill it. But if you create space, I promise you one thing, God will fill it. He will fill it. Don't settle for something not personal. Know God deeply. Our third root, so we have our, uh, we got our knowledge root. And then what was our first one? Grace, okay. I forgot for a second, so thank you for the help. Uh, Grace, our third one is if we want to go deep, we have to grow in our walk. And so here's what I mean. Here's what Paul means by this. So it says that we should know the knowledge of him through all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk 
in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. If you are deep, you do what you say you believe. You walk it out. You walk in a manner. You do something about it. If you really are deep, you don't just think it, you actually act upon it. And so true depth, going deep, the third group that we need to develop in is to put into practice the things of God, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. As I was studying this verse, that word walk, if, if you read the Bible, you'll see that walk is throughout the Bible. You go, oh, there's walk, there's walk, there's walk. And it's always correlated with obedience to the grace of God. And it started in Genesis 17.1. Abraham was before God and God actually speaks to Abraham and he tells him to walk before me and be blameless. He goes, walk ahead of me, Abraham. Walk ahead of me. There's this walk with God. There's this doing life with God. There's this embodiment of what we're supposed to live out day in and day out. We're to walk with God. Are you spiritually deep? How you can tell? Do you believe something, but do you live it out? Do you walk it out? So how do you grow in this root in your life? Really, you do what God says, and you ask the Spirit to help you. Uh, when I say the Spirit, God says when we accept that grace, His Holy Spirit lives in us and gives us the power to live a different life. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come, and that there is this spirit, there's this new person that makes you alive, and you start acting and doing things differently. But what I've noticed is I have to ask for it. It just doesn't naturally always happen. I have to seek it out. I have to seek what God says out. I have to try to do it, and I have to ask God to help me do it. This is what I love about Simple Church. So uh, if you're not in a Simple Church, I want to invite you, join a Simple Church. It's been my favorite part of my week for the last six months uh, that I get to be a part of a bunch of Simple Churches. And what we do in Simple Church is part of the goal is that you might walk out your faith. And we do this thing called I will. And what the I will statement is, is we take a verse and we go, I'm going to do this because the Bible says to do this. So you, you walk it out and you live it out. And so what Simple Church does is it brings natural accountability in your life. The, the key way to walk out your faith is to get other people to help you with it. We weren't meant to do this on our own. All right, so those are our four spiritual roots that we want to grow in is grace, and we want to grow in knowledge, and we want to grow in our walk. And now I want to real quick give you just four motivations. So if you're like, why should I go spiritually deep? Paul's going to give you four motivations of why you should go spiritually deep today. So back to the tree analogy. If you plant a tree, if you've ever planted a fruit tree, what are you expecting? You want to plant it in your yard? You want it to grow strong? You want it to bear fruit? You want to eat from it? These four motivations, I see Paul jumps right back into it, and let's look at it. So, so that we might walk out and look at our four motivations, he goes on to say that we might bear fruit in every good work. So the, the, the motivation to going deep in our spiritual life is that you get to bear fruit. And there's two ways you bear fruit. One is through your character. In Galatians, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. When you have fruit in your life, when you are a strong tree, you naturally will bear fruit. When you have deep roots, fruit will come out of you. You will change and be a different person. And then the other way I see fruit coming out is when you plant a tree, if we planted a tree in public, the goal of the tree is so that the world might come eat from it. Your life can have an impact. 
When you go deep, when your roots are deep, your life will naturally have an impact and people will come to you. People will eat from that fruit. You will get to share your faith and and it will just come out of you and you will see your world and your friends and your family changed. And what I love that there's a very particular, it says bearing fruit in what every good work, not every big work, So many of us think that we have to do these big works, but God says, I'm going to bear fruit in your life every single day, even in the monotonous, like things where you're like, I'm doing my taxes. Uh, I just got them done. I know I had the long extension, but I just got them done. God can be in that. You can bear fruit in every single good work of your life. So our first motivation for going deep is that we would get to bear fruit. Our second is gaining in knowledge. It says that we might bear fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When you go deep and your roots go deep, your knowledge of God knowing him, you grow and increase. It's like the trunk of your tree. The bigger those roots go, it grows and grows and grows. And your influence grows and grows and grows. And people go, oh, I want to be like that person. They have so much wisdom. We, we think that wisdom can all, comes from just reading or just good thinkers. No, I believe wisdom can come from that, but it comes from the spirit living in us and us going deep. Some of the wisest people I know are the most spiritually deep people I know. If I actually want some advice in my life, I go to the most spiritually deep people in my life. As you grow in your depth, you'll grow in knowledge. Third motivation is that we might be strengthened and power. Goes on to say, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance, patience, and joy. So when you think of a, a, a tree going deep, there's power in that tree. There's power in that tree. God says, when you go spiritually deep with me, you're going to have power to overcome and endure with, and have patience, to have endurance and patience. And so as we, <laughs> you're good. Okay. As you scared me. You can give me a couple minutes really quick, though. Yeah, you're good. I'll, I'll call you out. Cool. We got it all together, okay, people? Me. I think I gave a cue that he was supposed to come, and he came, and it just didn't. Anyway. So endurance and patience. This is what I love about this verse is that it's saying you'll be strong in power, so you'll have endurance and patience. What endurance is talking about is just the hardship of life. It's when hard times come, you'll be able to uphold and be strong. What patience is saying is when the people in your life come at you, you'll be able to be patient with them. So you'll be able to be strong in hardship and also with patience with people. And fourth is giving joyful thanks. It's giving joyful thanks. It's giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share an inheritance of saints and light. See, when we are grown strong, and big, and we can last, and we bear fruit, there's a thanksgiving about that, isn't there? That God did the work, not us. See, spiritual depth is not about how much you can do, but how much God can do through you. And there's a thanks that happens and going, and we are so thankful to God. And as we close up, I just want to ask you, where are you? Are you spiritually deep? How's your tree? And I think, as a, I think through there's four different types of trees in here today. I think the first tree is, is the person that's planted. They're a little seed, and they've just never thought through God's grace. 
They've never developed in knowing him. They, they haven't thought about living it out and they're just a seed in the ground and nothing is happening. That person today, all you have to do is go, God, I want to receive your grace in my life. I want you to turn from my ways of living and I want to trust Jesus. If you're that tree today, I would encourage you to go deep in the grace that is in Jesus, that you can know him and you can know him today. And as I pray at the end of this message here in a minute, you can receive his gift. The second tree is the seed, seed that's planted and it's starting to sprout and its roots are, slow, are going deep. I, I've seen a lot of you. These are people that have come to faith and all of a sudden, I don't know if you've experienced this in your life, but in three months you're going and you're growing and your roots are going deep and you look back and you go, I can't believe how much I've grown, how much I've changed. If you're that person today, if you're, you've been growing and God's been changing your life, don't stop watering the roots if you don't go deep, if you don't continue to grow in these roots, you will eventually fade. Keep going deep. Keep getting to know God. Keep pushing yourself. Keep making more time for God. I think there's a third tree out there. And that's the tree that has grown up. Its roots were deep and it's been fruitful. And it's been year after year after year. It's grown and its wisdom has grown. Its knowledge has grown. And it bare fruit. And then this last year, something happened. And I was driving down the highway the other day. And all the trees, it's spring right now. All the trees are budding out. And I looked over and there are a few big trees that had nothing on them. There's no fruit. There's no leaves. They weren't budding. I'm going to invite the worship team out right now. And, and as we move into a time of worship, I, I want to ask you, are you this tree? Are you someone that grew in their faith and you've been going, but maybe COVID has just taken your faith out and you're like, I, I was strong, I was rooted, I was built up, but I feel like the fruit is not there. I don't know what to do with my life. I feel like I have a lot of doubts about God. I don't have any hope. I, and I just feel like I'm dying your roots were deep, but they aren't getting the nourishment they need. But here's the great news. God is the God that restores and heals and he always will bring back to life. If that's you right now, you feel a little bit like you're, you have all the knowledge, you grew, but you feel a little dead. God goes, come to me. Come to me. I, all you have to do is repent. You have to turn from living for yourself and you go, I want to go deep with you, God. I want to know you. I want to be connected with you. I want to be in relationship with you. If that's you, I want to encourage you today that he makes dry bones come alive and he can do it right now. And the last tree is the strong, fruitful tree. This isn't the person that's got it all together, but it's just a consistent person. It's the person that shows up every season. They grow little by little by little, and you can always count on them. Uh, I have a, and these trees are amazing people. That's why I want to be a strong tree, because I've been impacted by somebody that's a strong tree. Over and over again in my life, I have people in my life that are strong, that grow in wisdom, that know God. One of those men is a guy named Matt Olson, and every time I go to him, it's like he's just there. He could be going through a really hard time in his life, but he's always there for me because there's something deep about him. Spiritual depth is not just only an intellectual knowledge. It is a greater depth that produces fruit and changes our world. 
Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word, that it does not return void, that we can hear it, we can learn from it, and we can know it, God. I thank you that we can know you. And Lord, I pray as each person here contemplates, they evaluate what tree am I, that they would not leave here unchanged, that they would go, I wanna go deeper. I wanna go deep with my roots. And God, if there's someone in here that has never made that decision to go, you know what, I'm all in with my faith with Jesus and the grace that is in him, I wanna go deep. I want to know him. I pray that they would make that decision to turn and to trust him today. And all they have to do is just reach out to you and say, God, I want to do that. And Lord, I pray for each person in here that, that might feel like they're growing, but they just need more of you. So God, we invite you here today that we might experience your presence, that we might intellectually hear from your word. But right now, as we invite you into this worship service, God, that we would experience your presence. And God, as I, I pray, I pray that you would bring people that are struggling, that are hurting, that need some restoration in your life. And I pray you would breathe life onto them, that you would breathe, breathe life into their soul and that they might be deep with you, Jesus. We invite you right now to change us, to grow us, and to make us deep. In Jesus' name.